Hi there, it's the Whole Tooth Podcast, back for another series. I'm Fintan Howran, Chief Executive of the Irish Dental Association and host of this round of episodes as we delve into the issues affecting dentists and dental practitioners, the length and the breadth of the country. We'll mark the association's centenary year as we reminisce over the past 100 years and assess where dentistry is in Ireland at the moment and where it's going in the future. In this episode, we'll be discussing the changing profile of dentists and their teams and how to manage the current staffing crisis. I'm delighted to be joined by the current president of the Irish Dental Association, Caroline Robbins. Welcome, Caroline. Thanks for having me. Caroline, you chose to make the staffing crisis your top priority for your presidency when you took over last May. Tell us why you made that decision. Well, I believe that um, any dental practice in the country is only as good as the staff that they have within its four walls. And it's important for any practice that we have sufficient numbers of staff so we can look after our patients, um, not only in a timely manner, but in a safe manner and um, being able to you know, provide them with the, the most top quality care that we can. When we can't and we don't have sufficient staff, those parameters become almost impossible to to accomplish every day. And we find ourselves in the situation where we don't have enough staff, we don't have enough dentists, we don't have enough nurses, we don't have sufficient hygienists, and we can't see our patients. And therefore, what's happening is, you know, the waiting lists are getting longer and longer, and it's frustrating for those of us in the industry, and it's very frustrating for our patients. Great. So can you tell us about your own experience as a practice owner? You, you're um, the owner of a practice in Carlo Kiwi Dental. Has your experience in hiring staff changed in recent times? Very much so. It has has changed. Um, you know, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I come from a sort of a, a rural, urban rural town, commuter town, Carlo town. And it has, you know, it was always difficult enough for us to attract Dentists, um, you know, I'm realistic. They like the bright lights. They want to come to Dublin. They want to go to Galway, you know, Cork. Um, and getting them to stay. Um, you know, I know that I'm really, myself, I'm probably looking for the golden goose. I'm looking for their dentist who is probably wanting to come back and settle in Carlo ultimately. So it was tricky, but you did always get applicants and you found good Irish qualified dentists who are looking for, for work. And, you know, we ticked along and it was fine. Now I'm at a point that we are, you know, we've increased in numbers. I've been where I am for 10 years. We started as one. We are now four surgeries. We're two dentists. We need to be three. And I didn't bother advertising last year. I just didn't have the heart, to be honest with you. I just had lost. I just felt I wasn't going to get anything. I've re-advertised this year and... You know, again, it's there's nothing out there. Um, because I don't just want to settle either. It's not a case of taking anybody. You have to have somebody that you're confident is going to look after your patients. So I'll be talking to Roisin Farley later and she'll be telling us a little bit more about what the IDA has been doing. But what do you think the association can, can do to address this issue? We need to look at the number of undergraduates that are graduating every year. I know that the Dental Council do say that we've never had so many on the registrar, but that isn't translating on the ground. Um, the numbers haven't changed in the time that I'm in. I'm, I'm in this country now 24 years, and the numbers haven't changed in that time, and I imagine long before that as well. Our population has changed. The way we work has changed. And I think that the 
um, you know, the nine to five, Monday to Friday, Monday to Saturday just doesn't exist in its sort of traditional form. Also, for um, uh, international dentists like myself coming to the country, access to the statutory examination is, you know, it's it's difficult because it's, and it's through no fault, they are, they are constrained by how they can offer it. They are constrained by having premises to offer the examination and how frequently it can be done, but it is very limited. I'll give an example. I had a very good friend of mine from New Zealand. I trained with her. She looked to come to Ireland last year. Uh, her husband was being potentially um, offered a very, you know, a good job over here and they were comparing Ireland and Hong Kong and Singapore and she asked me about what did it take, what would she have to do to become a dentist here. So when I had filled her in on what it would take, she said, well, um, look, it's, it sounds, it's just a bit, of, a bit much, too, too much of a headache. I think we'll look, we're probably looking towards Hong Kong. And to be honest with you, that's a loss of a very good dentist. So I could, you know, she's very qualified. She would have been a great addition to the profession of Ireland. Yeah. Uh, now, you touched on something there. You said that uh, we know that there's a shortage of dentists. We, we know that there's record numbers of classifieds in the Journal of the Association. And yet the Dental Council tells us that there's never been more dentists on its register. So how do we reconcile the fact that on the one hand, there are more dentists than there ever been on the register, and yet there never seems to be as great a shortage? I think we just need to look at perhaps how the, the, the how we are doing it has changed. I, I know just from my own personal point of view that I do work, I'm still working five days a week, but I do, I work less hours and I have worked less hours since COVID because COVID has taught me some very important life lessons and life is very short. So family and yourself is important. So I just felt I'm 27 years doing it and I'm not, you know, I'm not the youngest, and I'm not the oldest dentist out there, but that's just my personal choice. And I think that is a lot of people have probably looked at how they are, you know, their time and what else is important to them and whether it's family or for themselves are, are pulling back on. So how do we reconcile it? We just physically need more more ground, more feet on the ground and it's more hands. So it's more training and increasing the numbers of how we can, you know, an obvious one is addressing like the work permit. Um, you know, for example, the, the, the international students that come and we train, well, when they leave, they're going home, but some of them don't, they, they can't work here because they can't work as a self-employed model, which is the model we work on. So the work permit is is sort of unattractive to an employer because of the indemnity issue that goes along with it. And that is a big part of our day-to-day. And... Um, so the little nuances that it could be looked at and maybe things that could be, you know, with regards to addressing the work permit or for these international students when they graduate, that there are some some leniency or some, you know, something can be done that they are able to work in the country three, four years with, uh, you know, without need of work permit. And you said that, and I, I see evidence of it myself, that dentists are choosing to work in different ways. They're not all working on a full time basis. But... It also seems that for general practice that there seems to be a, a problem in that some dentists are choosing to specialise and other dentists are uh, focusing on aesthetic treatments. Do you think that's part of the answer? 
I do. You know, dentistry is changing. It's a it's an ever evolving science, and I don't think we. The model that was, perhaps we can't sit there and go, well, that worked well for years and why isn't it working now? It's changed and we have to move with the times and we've got to recognise that it's changing. Um, Yeah, the younger generation perhaps are coming through and it's not bread and butter dentistry that they want to be doing. They want, it's Instagram, it's cosmetic, it's um, Invisalign, it's all the, and it's, um, you know, it's the facial aesthetics. And they're attractive to the dentist, and they and they are well qualified to do that. So um, we can't be up. I can't be overly upset that that's what they are choosing to do. It's just another, you know, it is another road that they can follow. There again, that's what happens. Then we just don't have the physical number of hours to put into the, you know, the treatment needs of the patient, you know, the population at large. And the reality is that 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 is a big treatment need out there. You spoke to us about your experience. You came over to Ireland from New Zealand over 20 years ago. Can you tell us about your own experience when you first arrived, what it took for you to get into practice? And would that be different if it happened today? Well, I think so. I don't think it would work quite the same way if I arrived today than I did in in 1999. Um so I arrived in 1999. I came here. I obviously was a little bit shocked to learn. Um, I had come just, I had come via the UK. We we came from Australia. I came to, via the UK, got myself registered with the General Dental Council in, in London, jumped back on the plane, came here and was somewhat shocked when I went to investigate that I actually couldn't work uh, my degree wasn't recognised because I was not near you. So that was a shock. And I would say there were plenty of expletives muttered and I was in- incensed and all those things. But I thought, well, OK, how do I get to work here? So initially it was I had a quite a frank conversation with the dental registrar at the time and the dental council. Um, because I couldn't apply for a job without a panel number and I couldn't get a panel number without the offer of a job. So that was a no-win thing. <laughs> I was going around in a proverbial circle. And we had a good conversation. And to be fair, he he let me know about um, temporary registration with, with, with it, which means working under, in a hospital under a consultant. So that suited me because I had come from working in Westmead Dental Hospital. I'd done three, four years hospital dentistry. It's, you know, that's what I did and that's what I enjoyed. So with quite a lot of persistence and making some phone calls to um, a man who I didn't realise at the time was the actual dean of the dental hospital, who finally probably lost the will to live and invited me up to have a meeting with him and took me downstairs to meet Dave Ryan, and Bernard McCarthy in oral medicine at the time. And luckily for me at that particular time, there was one of the registrars in the dental hospital was on the waiting list to get into medical school. So as much as he was praying he was going to get into medical school, I was praying he was going to get into medical school as well. (laughs) And he did. And initially I got um, a part-time job in the dental hospital teaching, um, helping in the oral surgery department. And it did make, I did laugh sometimes, you know, I was teaching undergraduates how to pull teeth, but yet I wasn't able to work out in private practice. Um, 
And then um, it's just luck would have it, a job, a registrar position came up the following uh, January and I got that. So I had 18 months all told in the dental hospital. Um, but they also had to get me a work permit to work there. It wasn't, you know, and, and thankfully, you know, that they, they did do that because it wasn't easy for them either. And, you know, and looking back on that, it's, I'm, you know, it was, I'm grateful for it because everything for a reason, I did come to this country. I only knew my now husband at the time and working in the dental hospital made me meet people, make my own friends, make connections, um, you know, which I still have keep up to this day. Um, so, yeah, look, it wasn't easy. Um, many times I probably thought, what am I doing here? I could just be far easier just to go back to New Zealand. Um, but look, that's life and I'm still here. And many of us have lots of reasons to be thankful to Professor Shanley and he didn't know that he was uh, accommodating a dentist who would go on to become the president of the Irish Dental Association, our first New Zealand graduate, and we're delighted to have you here. Caroline, that has been fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on The Whole Truth. Thank you. That was Caroline Robbins, current president of the Irish Dental Association. Thanks, Fintan. Joining us now to discuss one of the biggest issues facing the dental profession at the moment, staff shortages, is the Association's Manager of Communications and Advisory Service, Roisin Farley. Welcome, Roisin. Hi, Fintan. Roisin, we heard earlier from Caroline that this is the top priority for the dental profession right now, and I know that the Association has done an amount of research. Can you tell us about the survey findings and what they tell us about the nature of the problem? Absolutely. Well, I think the survey findings would back up what Caroline is saying. It absolutely is arguably the biggest issue facing the dental sector and facing, facing our members currently. Um, there's really two issues that come out of the findings. One is that it's having a huge impact on dentists and on our members' ability to run their practices. And secondly, it's really having an impact on patient access to oral care. Um, so, we surveyed our members last September, so in September 2022, we did a huge response rate. Two thirds of the members in private practice responded, uh, which shows, I suppose, what a huge issue it is for them in the first place. Um, what we found was that two thirds of dentists who are recruiting staff, who are recruiting dentists, couldn't fill those vacancies. They couldn't find a suitable candidate. And half of practices who were recruiting either dental nurses or hygienists couldn't find a candidate for those vacancies. In terms of patient access to care, uh, the majority of dentists said that the staffing shortage is having an impact on patient access in their practice. Two thirds of dentists said that their capacity to treat emergency appointments has reduced in recent years. And again, about three quarters, so 75% of dentists said their practice would be able to and they would want to open for additional hours if they had more staff available. So it really is a problem. And is it similar in the public service? Yes, absolutely. So, and the, I suppose the issues in the public service have been going on for many years. We completed a similar piece of research prior to the pandemic in 2017 in the public service. And we found then that there were severe recruitment and retention issues um, and that uh, principal dental surgeons were finding it increasingly difficult to recruit dentists into the public service. And is it possible to say how many dentists would be needed to bring us back to where we were? Um, in terms of in the public service, uh, we'd be looking at uh, an access of 70 dentists to bring us back to where we were 15 years ago. Um, I suppose 
for a number of reasons, including, I suppose, maybe a lack of priority being put on the public dental service uh, in recent years in terms of policy. Uh, We've lost a quarter of our dentists from the public service since 2006. Wow. And is it possible to say the reasons for the, the, the shortages, you know, both public and private practice? I suppose there's a myriad of reasons, really. But if we start by maybe looking at kind of where we're starting from. So a report that was commissioned as part of the National Oral Health Policy in 2016 found that there were 45 dentists per 100,000 population in Ireland. And at that point, they found that that was down towards the bottom um, of the OECD countries. You know, in the intervening period, we believe in IDA that the situation has deteriorated and that the number of practicing dentists per head of population has reduced um, significantly. So we're already, I suppose, starting from a low base. And we would estimate that we need about 500 extra dentists across both the private and I spoke about the public earlier service to meet the, the needs of the rising population. So we're starting from a low base. And in terms, I suppose, of the current staff shortages, um, I suppose a key issue is with regards to graduate um, places and training. There's no capacity, I suppose, to quickly or significantly significantly increase that. But I do know that the HEA has started a scoping exercise. So that's a key issue in terms of graduate training and um, graduate places. There's also, I suppose, because this is compounded by the fact that and the number of graduate dentists who remain in Ireland um, to practice here each year is just a fraction of the graduates who are coming out of the dental schools here. Um, so that's compounding the issue of graduate places. Um, we also know in terms of dental hygienists, only 25 graduate each year. That's not enough. Um, there's also work permit issues. So currently dental nurses from outside the European Economic Area, what's known as the EEA, cannot get a work permit to work here in Ireland, um, which um, is, suppose, is in contrast to, say, medical nurses who are currently on the critical skills list. And I suppose there could simply be a cultural change as well. So in terms of we know currently there's never been more dentists on the dental register, but uh, we're asking the question, are those dentists working full time? Um, is there a cultural change in terms of work life, life balance? And we know from the survey that I spoke about earlier that we did last September, you know, 10% of principal dentists are working, just 10% are working less than four days per week, but 40% of our associates are currently working less than four days. So there could be that cultural shift in terms of work life balance and actually less capacity and less hours within the system. Great. And is this problem very specific to Ireland or is it part of a, of a wider shortage? It's definitely part of a wider global shortage. So um, the Council of European Dentists, CD, which IDA is a, a, a member of, has just published a white paper on the issue of workforce planning. And it's highlighted that there is a significant shortage of dentists and dental team members across Northern Europe and that it's an increasing challenge for the profession there. Last year, uh, the American Dental Association said that staff shortages was the absolute number one issue for the profession in, in America. And they they did some research and found that staff shortages were contributing to an 11% reduction in practice capacity in America. And also that 40% of dental practices had open positions but and that 90% of dentists said that they uh, had found the recruitment process extremely challenging. Again, in Britain, uh, the British Dental Association said that back in 2018, so I suppose this isn't a particularly new issue either, that 68% of dental practice in England were struggling to fill and retain uh, dental posts. I see. So what is the association saying needs to be done to address the problem? 
Well, I suppose at a very fundamental level, we believe there urgently needs to be a comprehensive and realistic workforce plan uh, for the entire dental sector. It's something that we know the Minister for Health has accepted and it's something that we really need uh, movement on now. Uh, We also think maybe in advance of that or in conjunction with that, that the dental register needs to be updated so that we would have a reliable I suppose, data and reliable overview of the number of actual practising dentists in the country, which would allow kind of an informed assessment of how many dentists there are per head of population. Uh, I suppose, really importantly, we believe there needs to be significant increase in funding made available to our dental schools in terms of increasing the number of graduate places for dentists, but also for hygienists and dental nurses and, and, and other auxiliary workers. Uh, the vast majority of our members, and again, this uh, came up in our survey, believe that a foundation training programme needs to be reintroduced and that this should be made a priority. Um, we also believe, um, and it's long overdue, that there would be a recognition and formal registration of a broad range of dental specialties. And, you know, for patients, that's really important to assist patients in accessing the correct level of care to match their need. Um, we believe there needs to be work permit reform. I spoke about this already and that, you know, really dentists and dental nursing should be added to the critical skill lists and should automatically be entitled to that work permit. Um, we believe there is room and scope for improvements to be made to the dental council exam for non-EEA uh, dentists. So if I'm a dentist coming from outside the European economic area, I need to um, ha- do an exam with the dental council in order to be registered. We totally um, support the need for that exam in terms of keeping standards and ensuring patient care. But we believe there could be some improvements made in terms of efficiency and fairness and so on. Um, and I suppose... As I say, the fundamental piece for us is bringing all of those issues together in, in terms of a, of a comprehensive workforce plan for the sector. So the idea is identified lots of solutions and there's lots, lots of work to be done. How will the association proceed with its campaign? Well, I suppose over the past year, in particular since Caroline took over um, as president, you know, this has been, the issue of staffing has been to the forefront in all of our advocacy, a lot of our media work. Um, when we meet with politicians recently, a representative of the association um, attended the Oireachtas and gave a presentation and the staffing issue was, you know, up at the front of that. And we're just about to launch our own workforce uh, planning document, which will give background and which will explain the issues uh, to politicians, to stakeholders, to patients, and also, more importantly, I suppose, we'll outline some of our solutions and recommendations, some of the ones that I just outlined to you there. Um, we hope to be back into the Oireachtas, hopefully in front of the Dáil Health Committee in the coming weeks and months, and we will be launching um, and bringing our document with us. We also plan and hope to meet with the Minister for Health imminently, and again, this will be one of the topics we will be bringing to him. Um, and we will, I suppose, continue to highlight the issue in the media. And also we hope and we, we intend over the next month or so to meet with the Department of Enterprise to push the work permit issue and also maybe to meet with the Dental Council to see how we can work together uh, on the workforce planning issue. Very good. So finally, are there other workforce planning exercises in preparation? Um, my understanding is that the HSE has currently initiated a workforce planning process for the public dental service. And in fact, the IDA and our HSE committee inputted to that last year. Um, I understand now that it's possible that the ESRI is considering carrying out a workforce planning research into the dental sector and that that will feed into that HSE process. So, you know, we are keeping updated on these things. And so, uh, certainly if there are other organisations looking at 
not the staffing issue in the dental uh, sector, IDA will be there and we will make sure that our kind of recommendations, our solutions are um, and our members' views are represented. That's great. Roisin, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you so much. Roisin Farley, the IDA's Manager of Communications and Advisory Services. Thank you so much. And that concludes this instalment on The Whole Tooth. You can follow the Irish Dental Association on Twitter at Irish Dentists or visit our website, dentist.ie, for a full list of upcoming events to mark this our centenary year. Thank you. <laughs>